Now, if you wouldn't mind turning to First Thessalonians, the book of, uh, and put a, a, a thumb or finger in that place, um, it's a little bit a little bit hard to find some of these books, isn't it? It can be. Which button do I use? The plus button? Yeah, either one. And uh, there's a bit of a list. I, I kind of... Do I have to point it somewhere? Okay. I, I kind of find it helpful a bit like this. So the Gospels are like the story of Jesus, Acts of the Apostles, of the Apostles, as it's sometimes known as the story of the church. Then there's a bunch of letters, and it's like a bundle of letters. You know how a letter is usually from somebody to somebody. You know, dear John, I'm breaking up with you, love or not, Bertha. So I kind of find that helpful to sort of go, well, there are the two letters and there are the from letters. And this is something to talk about while you're finding First Thessalonians, you see. So all those letters to uh, the Romans, the big ones come first, even though Romans was the last letter that Paul wrote and basically Paul is credited with most of the letters. But the big one, Romans, then the next biggest is First and Second Corinthians. Then there are a bunch of also-rans, Galatians, Ephesians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and then there's First Thessalonians and First and Second Thessalonians. And then there's letters from people. Now they're, they're known as um, general letters, right? Because they're not actually two specific people there, but they're from people like James and Jude, who, who most uh, agree that they were probably Jesus' half-brothers. James was the leader of the Jerusalem church there in the early period of, of the life of the church, not to be confused with other James or Judases in earlier parts of Scripture or of the Gospels. Then Peter had a go, he wrote a couple of letters, and also John, the youngest apostle, uh, who wrote the Gospel of John, also wrote three short letters. So they're letters from... Now, um, then, there's the, then it's backed up by prophecy, revelation, and we had a beautiful reading. Thank you, Elaine, for bringing that reading as we're focusing our thoughts on Jesus uh, from Revelation this morning. Um, and I just named it, You Saw What? <laughs> because to me it seemed like there's so much as an apocalyptic uh, vision about the future, I, I mean, apocalyptic means revealing. It can also, you know, most people see it as meaning end times and stuff, but it's a revealing. And and Paul, uh, John, the youngest dis- disciple and apostle, in his old age, the only one not to die a martyr's death in prison on the Isle of Patmos, had this amazing revelation from God about the days to come, and it's quite powerful in its imagery and has created a whole lot of conjecture and discussion ever since. So, you saw what? Um, now, you can see there's a little dividing line in the letters too. There's letters to people groups and then there's letters to people like Timothy, Titus and Philemon. And, and so, they, those three people follow up the people groups letters. So, you've got a bunch of letters from Paul two people and it's to people groups and then there's people, people, 
not people, groups, individuals, young pastors mainly, except for Philemon. That's another story. Now, the thing is, the problem that for my nice little cute little setting up there is Hebrews, um, because Hebrews isn't really a letter from. And um, so I kind of got rid of Hebrews. I didn't like Hebrews anymore. I thought, let's just do away with it because it's messing up my nice, neat little boxing attempts there. Letters from, letters or letters to, letters from. Now, the thing is, the reason I kind of felt like that, well, Hebrews is a bit uncertain um, because we don't really know who wrote it or who I wrote it to. So, therefore, I'm just sticking him in the middle. So, when you're thinking about where you're going to find Philemon, uh, it's a letter to Philemon, so just get past Hebrews and there's the tipping point. Hebrews between the letters from, or the letters to, to the letters from, and Hebrews is in there as one of what they call the general uh, epistles or general letters. James, Peter, John and Jude got together and wrote those general letters for general consumption. Sometimes they're known as the, the Catholic letters, which is another word for universal letters. Pretty cool. So Hebrews is written to, it's, it's quite obvious it's written to the people group of the Hebrews. However, we're not sure specifically who they were. So there's those different bundles of letters all nicely tied up in the New Testament as inspired scripture and given apostolic authority. Okay. Now we can probably take that one that one off. Thanks, Andrew. Would you turn while you're holding your thumb in First Thessalonians and um, hopefully that's helped you find it. We can read you out a page number for the Pew Bibles but otherwise let's turn to Acts chapter 17. Just a few books earlier, remember it's the story of the church so it follows the stories of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and then Acts, sometimes known as the Acts of the Apostles and we're going to chapter 17. Now just reading the section out of the letters that we saw there were basically written during the period of the early church, the apostolic era you might say um, and, and there's connection between the story of the church caught up in Acts and when these letters were all written. And uh, chapter 17 of Acts kind of identifies for us uh, the setting of the letter of Thessalonians. Reading from verse 1. When they passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they, or Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. Uh, my mum used to call it Thessaloniki, uh, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them, so over a period of three weeks, from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. But the Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob and started a riot in the city. 
They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials shouting, these men have caused trouble all over the world and have now come here and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. And when they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. This pretty much happened everywhere that Paul went. He would preach, he would go to a place they were generally, he would go to the synagogues and start from there. And he would argue from the scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, which is primarily our Old Testament, uh, explaining and showing how and why Jesus of Nazareth was in fact the longed for Messiah in Judaism. Now, quite naturally as a result of the preaching of the good news, there were converts made and everywhere Paul went an enthusiastic church would spring up. Same thing happened in Thess- Thessalonica and this led to disturbances in the community and even riots and a lot of times the, the missionary team, Paul, in this case Silas and Timothy, were forced to leave and, and head somewhere else. Uh, now, it was after they'd left and the, the map there shows you up the top uh, Thessalonica and they go down they pass through Rome and head, or head out to wind up at Corinth. Yes, that way I think on your, your perspective. Um, and it was during the time in Corinth in, his, in Paul's secondary missionary journey that he wrote the letters, they followed one after the other, the two Thessalonian letters. They both pick up on common themes in Paul's other letters, things like inspiration of scripture, the deity of Christ, salvation based on Jesus' sacrificial death, personal purity, love and especially in a sense, in this case, spends time addressing the second coming of Christ. First Thessalonians, however, unlike the four preceding letters, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians and Colossians, or if you like shorthand, Gal, Effie, Phil and Cole, because they uh, were primarily about, uh, it helps me, it helps me get it, yeah, Gal, Effie, Phil and Cole, because I always get Philippians and Colossians around the wrong way when I'm looking for them and they're only a couple of pages and you don't want to look like a dill, do you, if you're using one of these? And do we still use these? Freak me out. Didn't freak, yeah, that's the way. It's usually the iPad and, and Bev, Bev felt this oh, last year, didn't you? We were travelling around uh, preaching in different places and we, we were using our iPads and, and then when we got a real Bible, Bev found in a devotion, she was having trouble finding the, the chapters, the books again because you've kind of gone out of sync. You've got that nice drop down menu. It takes twice as long as it takes us. But it, however, so, so that was really interesting. Where was I? Uh, unlike those first earlier short letters, the first Thessalonian letter, the, the first letter to the Thessalonians was different. It was not so much about theology and doctrine. It was so powerfully, though, about relationship. It was about the relationship that Paul enjoyed with the Thessalonian church. It was about love and joy, the gratitude, 
the concerns, the disappointments and the pain that comes from sharing life together in a common cause. This was, this was a people in Thessalonica that had had as much impact on Paul as he had on them. It was a very powerful bond. For, for Bev and I, we can relate to this. We went to a funeral uh, last week of a dear friend that was in our congregation in that first church that we were involved with at Berwick. It was a two-year-old plant and we were so pleased to be able to be in a, a, a church planting context. There was actually quite a different sort of um, dynamic within the, within the people than we might have been, norm, been used to in an established church. And it was almost like we were on an adventure together and there were very strong bonds formed such that having been away for many, many years and come back into Melbourne, we still find ourselves connecting up and, and, uh, and we did last week find ourselves involved in a funeral for one of our men from that time and that season. And it was so precious. You, you know, I can resonate, I guess, with what Paul was identifying in, in the uh, Thessalonian church. Now, if you've still got your thumb in First Thessalonians, let's go to it because you will feel this uh, pastoral uh, kind of empathy and warmth in Paul's letter as he opens up First Thessalonians. And so I'm not going to steal any thunder as best I can from those that are following over the next few weeks in this series. However, allow me to read the uh, first chapter of First Thessalonians. Paul, Silas and Timothy who had been in Thessalonica to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers. We continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labour prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Hear that, your labour prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, just remember that this was a church that they had only been amongst and had only just sprung up because they turned up there for possibly only three weeks, at best a couple of months, before they were chased out of town. And boom, in came this brand new group of believers who were so enthusiastically embracing their new life, that there was already, what does it say here? Endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4, For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. We became you became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has become known everywhere. Unbelievable. 
when you think about how strong, how fast this church exploded in maturity in the things of God. Therefore, reading the end of verse 8, we do not need to say anything about it for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell us how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. First Thessalonians gives us a glimpse of Paul the pastor. Paul's visit to Rome during his second ministry journey came at a troubled time in his ministry. I've said Rome in my notes. I mean Thessalonica or Thessalonica. Uh, that was the iPad, probably. People were following him around. By now, people were following him around and causing trouble for him wherever he went. And even after he left Thessalonica, if you check back into Acts 17, people continued to cause trouble for the young Thessalonian church straight away. They're just being birthed, they're just drawing together and already they are taking on themselves the persecution and the challenge that had been pointed at Paul. So even though some chased him away, there were Thessalonians that chased him to Berea or wherever else he next went and caused trouble for him there. So they were trailing around after him. Meanwhile, back in Thessalonica, they also, these brand new babes in Christ, were experiencing persecution and challenge, confronted. The second thing about First Thessalonians is that it's the earliest record that we have of community life in a Christian community. What, what was life like in a young Christian community. First Thessalonians gives a little bit of an insight into that, more so than many of the, the other letters. Paul had so loved the Thessalonians that he had sent Timothy, who had already been there with him, in advance to, to go back to the church and spend some time and Timothy had sent back a really glowing, positive report from Paul about how things were in the church. And he was so... Uh, joyful about that and, and his letter uh, responds basically to that report from Timothy and talks about uh, in, in, a, in a very uh, effervescent encouragement. He, he offers a lot of encouragement to these guys. We heard that in the tone of his opening chapter as well as offering instruction to these very new believers. He was addressing some questions that come up surrounding, apart from general morality, there was disagreement about morals and morality, but there was also a question about the return of Jesus. Back in this day, and many of us would be aware of the fact that, that many in the Christian church had not got the fact that Jesus wasn't coming back in their generation. There was this full expectation on the part of many Christians around the then known world as they had been scattered through the diaspora and the, the second major diaspora which was a dispersion of persecution by the Romans driven out of Jerusalem and, and like setting off like it was the biggest mistake they ever made was to scatter the Christian church because it's like embers from a fire being blown away by wind and everywhere they land fires spring up and that's what happened with the early church. Everywhere they landed 
churches would spring up, fellowships would spring up, new Christians would be made. Many of them were thinking that Jesus was coming back in their day. So they were asking about questions about that and they were asking questions about what if you die before he comes again and all of these kinds of things. This is being addressed by Paul to the Thessalonians. The return of Christ. Um, We saw some powerful images in that video, Stuart, that you shared. People's human artistic interpretations of what Jesus in glory, in his glory, might look like according to the descriptions that we see in scripture. Quite quite awesome at the very least, really. Um, And I'm sure that when we see Jesus face to face and the veil is removed and we will actually be able to survive standing in his presence and not have our hearts fail because we're in flesh, uh, whatever the artist has been able to come up with, the real Lord Jesus Christ, King of creation, will be far more inspiring beyond our imagining. Unbelievable to consider. And, and, Paul, and John, in his revelationary vision, describes it so powerfully and yet it's only human words. Um, the second coming of Christ has been a major issue not only for the Thessalonian Christians but down through the centuries since. I, d- I don't know about how you guys or gals felt when you were younger. When I was a kid in the 70s, there was the, the threat of nuclear bomb. You know, There was also quite a lot of stuff out there about the second coming. There was Hal Lindsay's the book, The Late Great Planet Earth. He's reworked it and fixed up some of the, the toxic theology in it. But, uh, but there's this conjecture. I googled a list. I googled uh, pastors who have declared a specific date on the second coming and... Uh, and there was, there was like a pages, columns, right from the beginning of, t- of the Christian era right through to today and on into the future. People are still pointing out 2015 you know, and on, uh, tying it in with the lunar, orb, lunar things and all kinds of reasons as to specifically, even though the Bible quite clearly says that no man knows the hour, the day or the hour but my Father in heaven, still we figure we need to know. And it's been one of these major issues. Now, when I was a kid and we had the late Hal Lindsay's The Late Great Planet Earth, there was a great musical and my Baptist mate over, over Doncaster Way still got my record from 20 years ago um, of a musical from the stage called It's Getting Late. I love that musical. I don't know whether any... No, every lot of, yeah, it is old, but it did make a record, so it's not too old. Um, and then there was the movies, the Left Behind series, Remember those scary, great youth group movies guaranteed to elicit uh, commitments to faith in Christ, being left behind after the second coming of of Jesus. Um, For my kids, uh, when they were growing up, we were in Perth at the time, in the teenage years, it was heaven's gates, hell's fire. And and all the kids in the street, once they realised our kids, they all went to see it and, and when... When um, one, one of our, the kids that were coming to church from the street said to Rachel, our daughter, how can I become a Christian? She, she was leading her through the prayer. And they were better missionaries than we were, weren't they, our kids at that stage? Um, 
And so other kids heard that they were praying the prayer, so they run, ran up and said, can you pray the prayer with us as well? The whole street got converted because of heaven's gates, hell's fire. <laughs> uh, and if you don't know about that too, then you fall in between the generations. It was been a major issue. How do we come to terms with the second coming of Christ? Many today believe that we are living in that age now, that we are living in a season as we see, as many before have felt, that we are living in a time which draws these things close. This is a remarkable church. I remember that when we said our marriage vows, you know where they say till death us do part? We actually changed that, didn't we? We said until Jesus takes us to be with him. Such was that era we were living in. We actually felt quite keenly that sense of uncertainty about the future. I I had really said, oh Lord, please don't come again until we've had a chance to get married, you know. Bev's really thankful for that prayer. The Thessalonian, prayer, the Thessalonian church was a remarkable church. Not only were they receiving the word with gladness, but they were acting on it with perseverance. There was a beautiful warmth and love in this community. It seems that Paul and his missionary team were only there for a few weeks, but they left behind the nucleus of a strong, vital church which was remaining faithful despite the persecution. Now there's a core central reality in this early church that we can apply immediately here to Monty that is an essential for a strong, healthy church. And you hear it in the way that Paul resonates, his heart resonates with this people in that first chapter. And a scholar has said about First Thessalonians has said this, really nails it. What people need today, perhaps more than in any other time, is that climate of warmth, intimacy and caring that marks a loving home. The church that provides that climate will be sure to grow and its members become mature. What people need today, perhaps more than in any other time, is that climate of warmth, intimacy and caring that marks a loving home. The church that provides that climate will be sure to grow and its members become mature. I draw my thoughts for this morning to close with some very powerful words from 1 Thessalonians and it's chapter 4 the coming of the Lord and I'm sure Brent you're, you're down to bring this passage in teaching in a couple of weeks time, a few weeks time so I apologise for reading it but I'm just going to read it because I just can't help myself because I think isn't it most powerful scripture brothers, verse 13 of 4 we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope We believe that Jesus died and rose again and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. 
and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Oh Lord, we thank you for the encouragement of those words. We thank you for the power of your word, Lord God, to change lives, not only here on planet Earth, but also for all of eternity. Yours is a powerful, abiding, steadfast salvation. And on the rock Christ Jesus, we each one desire to build our life. Minister to us your truth, Lord, as we journey in your word, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.